Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Phil Bischoff, youth minister and director of outreach at Crosswalk, is bringing you a teaching. So head over to crosswalkphoenix.com, click on the Listen tab, and there you can find today's notes. And now, here's Phil Bischoff. Today is the last message in our Start series, and we've been talking about living for things that matter. And we've been talking that God has these purposes for our lives that he lays out in the Bible, and that they're the purposes for our church. Now, I love giving quizzes. So if you've been here any of the last four weeks, I want to see if you remember any of the themes, any of the purposes, and just shout them out. Anything that Jeff and Dan have, the topics they've talked about. Do we got any, any of the purposes? Let's hear it. Service. Service. All right, good job. I was a little afraid no one would say anything, so I got one. All right, service is one of our purposes, right? That, that we get to start getting involved, okay? And anyone else remember another one? Out, well, that's today. Outreach is today, all right? Don't jump the gun. What else we got? Fellowship, being connected to one another, okay? Another great purpose that we have, okay? Uh, any others? Worship, all right, I didn't hear it, but I'm gonna pretend like I did. Worship is another purpose, another great thing to get involved in. That it, we, we show uh, what God is worth to us and, and making God first in our lives. And then, and then the last one, disciple. there we go, nice and loud and proud. Discipleship, where we start following Jesus, learning and growing. And today we talk about outreach. Start shining your light and connecting other people to Jesus. And I want to say this, that, that the reason we have this series and, and whatnot is to show that these purposes are connected, that, that they feed off one another. So when you're with another Christian fellowshipping, that's also worshiping God. And you might also be growing in your faith. And it, you might have an opportunity with a fellow Christian to do some outreach. So, so it's not in isolation that, that these are all that these are all connected. But we also say this, that we wanna do these important things in our lives that God called us all to do and the church to do with a heart for the lost. And by lost, all, what we mean is, is people who don't know the peace of Jesus. People who don't know that, that they're saved. And so we do all these with, with a heart for the lost. And I like saying this, that when we're in heaven one day, we're going we're gonna to be able to worship God and have fellowship. We're going to be able to, to grow and have discipleship. We're going to be able to serve God. But here now is the only time we're going to be able to do outreach because everyone will be a believer in heaven. This is our only time where we get to shine our light. And so I, I wanted to start that way to kind of connect this series, to, to bring it home. And now I want to go into our first verse. So get out your notes. And here's our first verse. This is from John 8, and it says this. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We gotta start here because this verse sets it all up. That first of all, we've gotta admit that this world is full of darkness because it's full of sin. That this world isn't it that there's a place called heaven that, that God created for us and we get there through faith in him. So this world, is this isn't it. 
And then the second thing this points out is that Jesus is the light. What does a light do in, in darkness? It, it draws your attention, it guides you. Jesus draws our attention because he's different. That, you know, what the world will say is to take care of your problems, to take care of your guilt, of your sin problem, just work harder and be better. And Jesus says, I've worked harder, I was better for you. And, and he points to his life. And then he went to the cross and died for us. And he beat death by rising from the grave. This is the message that you first need to hear yourself, that Jesus is your light, that Jesus loves you. And we need to know this is the main message that the world in darkness needs to hear. So we got to start there. So go ahead and, and put that in your blank. That shining your light starts with a relationship with the light. Jesus is the source of eternal life for a sin-darkened world. So about four years ago, I was standing in the back there and Pastor Ski, who's a friend of mine, well, sort of, because I'll tell you why. He was up here. He's a guest preacher, a friend of ours at Crosswalk, and he was given a message on outreach. And I started to listen to him and I'm like, that, that story you're telling sounds familiar. And then I start, I'm like, oh no, he's telling the story from last night. And he starts talking about me and how I, as director of outreach, okay, that's one of my titles here at Crosswalk, how I, as director of outreach, suck at outreach. <laughs> so I'm sitting there in the back and I'm like, oh, great, thanks. And he told a story about how the night before we go out to a restaurant, it was Alice Cooper's town. The restaurant is now closed, probably because of me and what I did. No, it didn't do anything bad, but we were there and Ski, if you think I talk a lot, this guy, man, three times as much. And so we're talking to the server and it was, there, we got to a point where we're talking with her and there, there was a, probably a good opportunity for, for me to maybe invite her to church. She was kind of asking questions or maybe have the conversation go to a, a spiritual bent. Um, probably even I could have talked about my faith and I froze. And, and I, I hid away from it, and, and, and he could see me do that. And so here he's on stage, and he's kind of airing my dirty laundry as director of outreach, not outreaching. But to be honest, I'm, I'm glad that he did do that, because here's the truth. I, I've wrestled with guilt for outreach for, for a long time. And sometimes I'm like, Phil, you know, you, you gotta be reaching out to people. You gotta be shining your light. You're director of outreach and, and just guilt's in my head and have to and should. But here's what I know from talking with a lot of you is I think, I think a lot of you wrestle with guilt when it comes to, to outreach and shining your light. That, that maybe either A, you might be like, I don't really care about it, but I probably should. Or you might care about it, but you feel guilty because you, you feel like maybe you don't know what to do or you're afraid of what people will say if, if you share your faith. And so guilt can be wrapped up in this. And I don't know, am I right with that? That, that, you, can, that you can feel that way? And so here's the deal is that I wanted to bring that up because now I'm gonna show you what's in the basket. Watch out. So here's the deal. We can't forget that what Jesus calls us and what we are is one of these. 
Okay, what's this? A light, but, but it's, a, it's a special type of light. It's a solar light. Okay, we had these out for Christmas Rock and Eve and they lit up our Christmas Rock and Eve banner. Pretty, pretty good. Uh, and so, all right, you guys are not idiots, so you know how this works, right? The sun is the source of, of, the, of the power and the panel collects it and then it, it gives off light. There's probably way more involved in there, but that's a simple version, right? Is that it draws, it draws its power from the sun in, in order to shine. And then in the darkness, it shines. The, the deal is, is that when we let guilt and the shoulda and I have to be, be what, what, what make us do outreach to people, when, when, when it's that way, we become one of these, which is a solar light without a panel. And that does, that, that's not gonna shine too well, right? And so I, I did wanna also begin this way in that here's, here's the deal. When it comes to sharing our faith, that A, we've got a good message to share and, and we're drawing from Jesus who came not to give us guilt, who came not to have the shoulda and coulda and you have to. He came to give us freedom. He came to give us salvation. He came to give us love. He came to give us peace. And that's what he wants in our hearts as we shine our light. And, and when we have that in our hearts, we, we naturally shine. So don't, when, when you have the guilt and the have to and the shoulda, just stick your panel up and say, Jesus, <laughs> I, I confess my, my sins of, of, of guilt to you or I confess these things, I need your love and forgiveness. So remember, you are like a solar light to shine your light. Stay connected to Jesus. All right, now I wanna go on to the next set of verses. So let's put our next verses on there. From Matthew 5, here's what it says. It says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Now I know, you might be like, Phil, stay on the light analogy. Why are we going to salt? But because they're, they're paired together. And this is Jesus speaking the Sermon on the Mount, one, one of his most famous uh, sermons that, that he gave. And, and uh, when he says, you are the salt of the earth, people understood that right away because salt was a main preservative of the day and it, it saved food from spoiling. We still kind of use that today, but, but they didn't have refrigeration in Jesus' day. So salt was like everything. And so what it's saying there about if salt loses its ability to be a preservative, it's, it's kind of no good. Not kind of, it is no good. And you just might as well throw it out. And so what, what he's saying there is that you and I, when we become connected to him, we become the salt of the earth in that we don't preserve ourselves. We are people preservers. That in a way, it's not wrong to say that connected to Jesus, we help save people because we connect them to, to who Christ is through the gospel. And so I wanna give you that point right away, is your purpose, when you're connected to Jesus, your purpose changes from self-preservation to people preservation through the gospel. I'm gonna pull my phone out here. Oh, bless you, I heard that. All right. And I want you to go to Matthew chapter five, okay? If you got your phones or, or, or whatnot, you bring your Bibles to Crosswalk, go to Matthew chapter five. And I wanna read the verses right before Jesus says you are the salt of the earth. 
because these are important. These are called the Beatitudes, the blessings. These, these are verses that are pretty famous. But let's explore it a little bit. I won't, maybe I won't read all of them, but some of them. So if you're there in Matthew 5, here's what Jesus is saying. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will show mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, here's the deal. When, uh, when I was taking business classes in college, they did not use Matthew 5 as part of their curriculum, okay? Uh, really, the message that I remember the last day of class, the, the big screen said, look out for number one. And then if you didn't understand that, it was yourself, okay? So not blessed are the poor in spirit, but, but blessed are those who are number one. Blessed are the top dogs, not bless those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, but bless, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for power and, and, to, and to shove control over people. Not blessed are the merciful, blessed for, for those that you can make someone owe you. Not blessed are the pure in heart, blessed are those who just won't get caught. Not blessed are the peacemakers, but, but blessed are people that don't really care about peace as, as long as I'm getting my way, right? And, and, and on and on, because that's the way of the world. The way of the world is self-preservation. And Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth that connected to him, you, you are different. Now, here's the deal, is that you and I can get sucked back into self-preservation, where we can forget that, that this life is not, is not it and that heaven is, is where God wants us to be and we want to take other people with us. And so we can, our lives can be so focused on building up our wealth and building up our status and, and building up everything for ourselves that, that we forget that God called us to be salt and light. And, and here's the deal. For Christians, Satan's main tactic isn't, isn't necessarily to get you to turn your back against God. You know, he knows Jesus has you and that's powerful. One of Satan's main tactics for Christians is to distract us. It's to distract us so we don't make other Christians. It's to distract us so that we're just focused all about ourselves and, and we're not concerned about the souls of other people because Jesus has called us to be salt and light. So if he can distract us and stop us, that, that's, that could be one of Satan's main strategies. But here's the deal, is those verses that I read, first of all, when, when someone treats you that way, when someone is merciful, when someone is a peacemaker, when someone uh, is, is full of, of going after righteousness and goodness, when someone is meek towards you, you notice that. You crave that. Because that, that's what Jesus is for us. He humbled himself. He came, he was meek for us. He came to bring peace. 
And then he actually says that he changes our heart and through the power of the Holy Spirit, he allows us to be those things. And so looking at it one, one uh, side, you might look at all those things and be like, no way, man. I, I don't want to, I'd bless her those who mourn. That's a curse. That's not a blessing. But understanding it in that Jesus is with us and he was those things for us, that, that we say we, we are blessed when we're those things. And, and that is a way that we can be a, a witness to, to other people. So being salt doesn't necessarily mean you're gonna change the things that you're doing. You know what? Still go to your job. Still go to that concert. Still go on that date. Still go to the Super Bowl party later today. But what it does change is it it might change why you go to those things and then maybe a little bit of, of, of how you act at those things. So that now when I go to my job, it's not just about getting a paycheck, but when I go to my job, I know God has called me to be salt of the earth. And so maybe I can have an impact on another person and at least be someone who brings them mercy, at least be someone who brings is a peacemaker. And that might stand out to them and that might give me a, a platform to share my hope. So it doesn't change the, the things that you do, but maybe the why and, and the how. All right, so now let's, um, let's keep going. The next verse, we're back to the light of the world. So here's what it says. Now Jesus says, right after salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. A town on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I'm gonna give you the fill-in right away. Through your words and actions, you are a light that helps people see God's goodness. If you were to ask my wife when she first knew that I liked her, it wasn't, when I told her I liked her. The first time she knew I liked her was on a Friday night. I'm with some buddies at uh, this little German bar in downtown Milwaukee. It was quiet, you know, and good German beer. And so we're, we're content there. And so I call Rachel, like, hey, how you doing? And she was at this other bar, this nightclub that I hated, because I hated nightclubs, the loud music, and like, oops, oops, I just, no, no, thank you. I just, I did, I hated nightclubs. Uh, probably because I couldn't hear myself talk, and I have to do, you know, so loud. And she doesn't like them either. And so, but, but she was there, and she's like, oh, we just got here, and I paid the cover charge. That's the other thing, I hate paying cover charges. We paid the cover charge, and so we're gonna be here a while. So I'm like, okay. And so I hang up. And so I walk from, from my place to, to the nightclub. I like to say it was 10 miles. It was probably more like half a mile, but 10, we're going to go with 10. So I walk there. I pay the cover charge just to spend three minutes with her and then to convince her to come with me over to my, to my friends. She knew I liked her when I did that, right? Often... People know we care through our actions before we even say anything. And, and guys, this, this is, here's, here's what I want to say with being the light of the world. And so later on, I told her I liked her. 
And she was like, duh, I know it, all right? But the, 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 this, is, this is one thing I want to give God glory for this, is that, and I want to compliment all of you as a church, you guys, I think, do this great as a whole. When we do trunk or treat, when we do feed a family, when we do the Levine uniform drive, when we do the Levine barbecue, we, we just, I had someone request that we want to do something for Christmas too. You guys show up. You wear your We Love Levine t-shirts and, and you help and you get involved. And, and I love that we wear those because we're doing it. We want to show love. We stand out in the heat in October. Yes, it's still hot then for trunk or treat and sweat because we want to show love to this community. We, we go to, to, to strangers' homes and bring them Thanksgiving meals because we want to show them love. We go to the Levine Barbecue because we want to show the community that, that we love them and, and we want it to be a platform where people might, might wonder, what, why? Why are you doing that? It can give us an opportunity to then point them to Jesus, point them to God. And let me tell you this. This is all, again, all glory to God is people notice. This community has noticed. When I was at a Levine Community Council meeting, uh, there was a new council member who did, he didn't know um, the, the community uh, very well, know about Crosswalk. And I was requesting funds for Trunk or Treat. And so this community member says, is, is your church involved in the community? I, I, was about, I was about to say something, but I didn't get a word out when the crowd, and these weren't people that go to Crosswalk, attack this lady. Poor, see, a poor lady. They're like, you sit down. This church does this and that. And what it was, it, it was a time when in my heart, I'm like, thank you, God, that, that, that this community knows that, that we care about it. But, but again, to not disconnect that it's, it is about showing love, but, but it's why we love Levine. Because God loves Levine, because God loves the people here. Why do we love Midtown? Because God loves the people there. And that we want to tell people it's not just about here. It, it, it's about a place that, that God created for us in heaven. And Jesus is the way. All right. So let's continue. Let's go to the next verse. Acts twenty-two fifteen. It says, you will be his witness to all people of what you have seen and heard. All right, so now we're getting to the part that might cause a little anxiety for people. It's the talking part, right? And, uh, and, and, I, and I get this, um, but, but what I want to talk about is what, what Jesus is saying and what he's not saying. You will be his witnesses, and a witness is someone, if you even think in a courtroom, what does a witness do? They testify to what they've seen and to what they've heard. In, in, in 501 class, in, uh, that's our, our old outreach class, in confirmation class, I gave this assignment of, I, I want you to tell the story of what Jesus has done for you. I want you to think about that, come back tomorrow, and I want you to share it. And it is, it is a little personal, as people are saying that. Is it, it comes out a little clumsy at first, because it's something deep within you. But I want to say this, I haven't heard a bad story yet I've heard stuff that's pretty cool because it's your story. 
So Jesus says, be my witness. I think sometimes we feel like we have to be God's lawyers and we have, to, we have to defend him and we have to prove and we have to argue and we have to fight. He doesn't say that. I, I, I think there's place for logic and reasoning when you're talking about your faith, but, but Jesus' main thing is be a witness. Here's the deal. If you get into a conversation with someone you're sharing your faith and you feel like they're, you know, getting defensive and they're asking you questions and you're like, I don't know the answer to it and oh, what's gonna go, right? And, and you're just sharing. One of my favorite outreach phrases is I don't know. Try that on sometimes. Is someone that say, I don't know. But here's what, here's what I do know. Here's what Jesus has done in my life. Or you could say, I don't know. And here's what will really shock them. You know, I don't know, but let me get back to you. And if you actually research and ask, ask someone else that you know about this topic and you come back to them in truth and in love, that can maybe be impactful to them. But again, the why is not to win an argument. It's to witness to what Jesus has done in your life. It's because remember, God wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. We're witnessing because we want that person to know Jesus. Okay, so being a witness and not his lawyer. You might say, I don't know if I have much of a story to tell. And so if you say that, I want you to look at the next verse. Here are the next verses. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. That's an amazing story. And that's your story. That your story, and this is a story that, that can change people. You went from someone who was forsaken to being chosen. How many people feel abandoned and forsaken in this world? Like they got nobody. God chose you and you can tell them God chose them. You're a royal priest, meaning you're, you're God's representative. God uses you to pray for other people, to bring people to him. You're a holy nation. Holy means perfect and set apart. All your, your past and all, all your sins, Jesus forgave them. And being a holy nation, you're part of a group, a movement called the church, believers who, who, together, who together are holy because of Jesus. You're God's special possession, that God cherishes you. You know how many people just don't feel, they don't feel special? That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. That's a great story, and that's your story. So start there. So here's the next filling is as, as a witness, you simply tell your story of what Christ has done in your life. It's an amazing story of redemption. And redemption is being bought back, bought back out of darkness, out from eternal death, from shame. And, and, and also in our life, from all the other things that hold us back, that Jesus continues to free us from, from uh, the things in our life that he saved us for heaven and he, and he frees us from guilt and shame and addictions and all of that as, as, we, as we learn to, to have him hold us more and more. All right, now, oh, this, this is my favorite part of the message coming up. All right, 
Uh, because I was laying in bed. I haven't been sleeping well, but last night was good that I haven't been sleeping well because I got to think a lot. And uh, laying in bed, I was thinking of specific people, a lot of people who have told me, I'm just, I just don't like talking to people. I get nervous about my faith and, you know, I'll go and I'll serve and, and whatnot. And, and I, man, I love, I love you guys. I love those people. And because again, as I said, even though I, I love to talk, there's been plenty of times where when it comes to sharing my faith, I'm silent. And we said we're going to give guilt a, a, a away from that. But here, here's a, a verse that brings me a ton of comfort. And I wanted to give you comfort too. Here it is. And I'll explain it. Because what if I don't know what to say? What if I'm going to say the wrong thing? What if the person's going to get mad at me? All these what ifs, here's what it says. For God who said, let's shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts. But we have this treasure, the light of Christ in jars of clay to show that this all surpassing power is from God and not from us. Back in, in the time when this was written, people would take their valuable possessions and they'd hide them in, in clay jars ordinary, unattractive, maybe even weak clay jars because it, they didn't want to draw attention to the treasure. So thieves wouldn't, you know, wouldn't know, right? It's kind of like you want to hide something valuable, hide it in plain sight. Don't hide it like in a, in a beautiful treasure box. And so people would put their, their valuable treasure in these ordinary everyday things. You, you and I are ordinary maybe unattractive witnesses. We might feel weak, but God uses us for the exact opposite reason is that he wants his treasure. He wants the treasure of his love and his gospel. He wants that to shine. He's not looking for us to give a flashy speech or to be all eloquent because the goal is not to point people to look how great and how awesome I am or my faith is. The point is to point people to the cross and that, that, that God has changed us and so if, you're, if your witness is you're bumbling over it, you don't know what to say, you're afraid, you're being a clay jar, but the gospel, the message of Jesus, that's shining. So he's using you to tell someone else about a message that could change their eternity as weak and fragile as you are. Well, that just gives God all the more glory. It's kind of like this. Do you remember the first time that you ever told your boyfriend or girlfriend that you loved them. I remember. And I was, but I, and here I think I can talk and I, I'm nervous and whatnot, but here's the deal. It meant, it meant more because it was authentic. People aren't looking for, for an eloquent, eloquent speaker. They're looking for authenticity. And so if you're worried about how it's gonna come out, that might be even the way God wants it to come out to show that it really means something to you, that you really care about the person that you're sharing this with. So this gives me a lot of comfort that, that don't, you know, don't focus on your weakness, but on the all-surpassing power of God. So here's the fill-in. God uses your weakness to display his all-surpassing power. You get to shine your light and leave the results to him. That's awesome. The Holy Spirit's the one who really changes hearts. You don't have to get in there and change someone's mind. You're a witness and God, God does the rest, right? Leave the results to him. All right, let's keep going. 
Next verses. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do this all for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. You might look at these verses and kind of be overwhelmed. Like, wow, Paul, he was, he was all in. I don't, I don't know if I'm there. But what we got to look here is, is Paul's not saying this from just his own, you know, self-will. Here, Paul, when he became a Christian, his life got way worse. When he, when he was just a Pharisee, life was great. When he became a Christian, he started getting persecuted and he, uh, he was shipwrecked and he was on the run and, and he was a prisoner. But yet Paul the prisoner says, what? Though I am free. In prison, Paul was free. And he was free because he knew that, that no prison cell could hold, hold his soul in his relationship with God. And so, so he reached out to people out of freedom. And at the end, you see where it says here is, is, I do this all for the sake of the gospel that I share in its blessings. He viewed outreach as a freedom and a blessing that he had. Isn't that cool? To view shining your light as a freedom you have and as a blessing that you have. And that's again, because you're connected to Jesus. And then when he gets to the, become all things to all people so that I might save some, you see where it says to the weak, I became weak to win the weak. How did Paul know that those people were weak? It's because he took time to take notice. And really what this is saying is Paul was other focused, is that he just took time to notice people he took time to say, how, how can I get in the life of, of, of someone and be salt and light to them? And so here's, here's the next fill-in, is that it's the same for us who've been freed. Outreach is a freedom and a blessing that I have in Christ to invest myself in others who don't know him. A freedom and a blessing to invest myself in others who don't know him. Now, you maybe have seen this acronym before. And I was thinking of changing it because Pastor Dan always gives me a hard time about this acronym. But then everyone else on staff is, no, use it. Keep using it. You know, uh, Jeff had a good analogy. Is that if, if you're shooting a free throw, right? What do they tell you when you're shooting a free throw? To do the same routine every time, right? Two dribbles, look up, shoot. And you get kind of into a rhythm. Maybe this could be, your, your outreach free throw routine. I don't know. But here, let's walk through it. And this is what Paul did. And this is just a tool that maybe can help you. How do I be salt and light? What's my next step? Here we go. The O is observe someone in your life. And I let Pastor Dan in, in the notes, he put it in a good way. Observe a friend going through a difficulty. So observing someone, and by this, I, I want you to write, you can write the word difficulty or maybe write these three words. Tension, transition, and trouble. That when, when you see someone going through a tension, maybe there's a tough situation at work or a transition, they just moved or they just had a baby or trouble, someone in their family is sick or they're going through an illness. Those are the times when people especially need your love. 
And they especially need you, they're looking for someone to care about them. And, and this could be, it could be a time where they're a little more open to, to hear about spiritual things, to hear about God. It could be a time, right? So observe someone in your life. The next thing is invite a conversation. So if I've noticed that someone at work hasn't been there for three weeks and they come back and they look a little down, the first thing you could say is, hey, I've noticed you haven't been at work for three weeks. Everything okay? And maybe just don't accept a, yeah, fine. Maybe just maybe be willing to say, are you sure? You want to go grab some coffee real quick? That, just the fact that you invite a conversation just, just to you care about them, that's an awesome thing. Then the next one, really simple, is listen. People want to be listened to. And, and, and to talk about creating a platform, here's what I'm saying, is that so often I think um, if we're nervous about sharing our faith is that if we invest in people and invite a conversation and listen, just maybe, just maybe they, they will then say, well, well, what do you think? Or what are your thoughts? Or how do you handle a situation like this? And it gives you an opportunity, it gives you permission to then say, well, here, here's what I think and, and here's what I believe. Right, is, it, is that in the Bible it says always be prepared to give an answer for, for the hope that you have. Is That's meaning that someone might ask you. Right, so, so listen to someone. And then the final one is share. And the share, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be that you are like, you know, all right, okay, I just met you, but I'm gonna open John 3, 16. Uh, here we go. The share might be share another invite to meet up with them again. The share might be, hey, I don't, maybe I'm not a people person, I don't know, but you want to come over and watch a football game. I, I, the share can just be to continue the conversation, right? That, and here's the, here's the deal. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. So if you're like, you know, I can't be outreaching to everyone, can you outreach to one person? Can you shine your light to one person? Can you invest in one person? In your work, at your, in your neighborhood, Right? And, and who knows, here's the deal. If it takes you your whole life to invest in one person, that, that's, that's one person that you invested in. You're a light to that person. All right, so I want to end where we started. To not forget that God has made you a light of the world because you're connected to him. That Jesus is your source of hope and joy and peace Stay connected to him and, and you will shine. You will shine in this dark world because that's who you are. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. He wants to get the treasure out through you. And so if you want to look at your next steps, what Christ has done in my life is amazing. I get to identify someone to invest in and share Christ with them. And don't forget what it says in that verse is, you're his witness. Just tell what you've seen and heard. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are the light of the world. Lord, um, so often we, we, can, we can get wrapped up in, in this world and building up things for ourselves, 
worried about so many things in this life, and, and you told us that you came to point us to heaven, to point us to hope. And God, we are going to have tough times in this life, but you have called us out of darkness into your wonderful light. How awesome that it is that we get to do this together as, as a church, walk in your light. Lord, help us shine. You've made us into your lights. Just let us believe that. We are the light. We are the salt because you made us be that way. And let us invest in other people as you made us through all our weaknesses, through all of that. And let us comfort ourselves with the same message we're giving to other people. Lord, I, I pray and you help us all become missionaries in our own everyday life. Help me become a missionary in my own everyday life. And we do this all for your glory. We do this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So before we close, if you would like to hear more, head over to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held on the campus of Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now, some closing thoughts from Phil Bischoff. The closing thought is, is just, Jesus loves you. <laughs> and you're connected to him. Go out, be salt, be light at your Super Bowl party, or if you hate football, whatever you're doing. <laughs> Jesus loves you. And you get to be, you get to be his salt uh, and his light in the world. Go with the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and grant you his peace. Have a great week in the Lord, everyone.